0: all right welcome to a new episode of waiting in the sky with tj starman i am your host tj and i am very excited for for this episode because we're talking uh two of my my favorite topics in general um one being grand theft auto um specifically grand theft auto 5 the state of grand theft auto uh the the trilogy remasters and the reception to that Uh, i've been playing a little bit of gta 5 for the playstation 5 recently um so i brought in a guest who is actually coming from uh the uk and that is fatter than most from uh he's gonna be joining us and kind of talking through grand theft auto and our experiences with the with the series and and he shares an amazing uh, outline for what gta 6 could and in my opinion should look like um so definitely check out that segment if you are a fan of grand theft auto um, i thought it turned out really well and it was a great conversation all around the other half of this episode is probably centered around my favorite topic which is spider-man uh so we the time he didn't work out to do a, a spider-man no way home segment on any of these episodes because we kind of started picking up steam after the release of that movie but i absolutely loved it spider-man is my favorite superhero and i love superheroes in general so being able to talk about spider mans side characters uh with infernal griffin who is making his return appearance as well as benjamin x uh an old roommate of mine from omaha uh it was great having that conversation with them so we talked about our each individual top five lists of spider-man side characters that we would love to see in a live action spider-man movie uh, in honor of the release of morbius so great conversation if you are into all of the kind of nitty-gritty spider-man characters we got some deep cuts in there too some some really funny ones as well surprisingly um i think it's a great conversation for it, especially with the way that Marvel has been really pushing the Spider-Verse storylines in general between No Way Home, obviously into the Spider-Verse, the first one, and part two is going to be coming out as well. Uh, and also the Sony's just fearlessness with cranking out you know, Spider-Man character products between Venom and, and now Morbius. And apparently Kraven is also rumored um, or confirmed at this point as well too. So Um, Definitely a nice, deep, nerdy conversation there that you'll want to check out. Uh, But in addition to those great segments, we obviously have to lead off the podcast uh, by giving our audio producer, Richard, the, the floor with the dick pic. So, Richard, how are you doing today? And what are we talking
1: about? Oh, you know, just a lot of sleep deprivation going on. And I'll tell you why. I recently have been playing this game called Tunic that is absolutely amazing. And it came out just a couple days ago. Um, It's right now, I believe it's on Xbox, uh, Game Pass, and PC. Uh, Don't quote me on that because I think it's also out for the PS5 and I just don't realize it. But it is a, how would I describe it? It's kind of like Link to the Past and Fez had a baby, And then Dark Souls was also like the midwife. That's like the best way, (laughs) that's honestly the best way to describe it because it is just such an absolute perfect marriage between the three styles of gameplay. And for those that don't know, in Tunic you start off as a little tiny fox and you kind of just wake up on this shore. You don't really know what's going on, but you walk around and you kind of realize uh, there's this person trapped somewhere that you need to basically free and you do that by collecting three things that's kind of where it really uh gets its uh oh what's the word i'm looking for that's kind of where it resembles link to the past the most is in terms of progression because without spoiling anything i'll just say it kind of has a collect three things then alternate world kind of thing going on okay okay yeah if i i i mean it i have been so i am in the discord for the developer or i should say the publisher but they've got a they've got channels they've got tunic general tunic spoilers and then tunic deeper secrets and i have been hanging out in that deeper secrets channel for the last five days it's staying up till like three or four a.m trying to help these guys solve the puzzles that we've uncovered and it's just absolutely crazy like without going into too much detail um I, i'll mention a few vague hints first of all the Golden Path is probably the best video game puzzle to ever exist, and in addition to that, uh, the in-game language it is readable. I'm not going to tell you how, but you can read it, and once you do, a lot of dots start to connect, and that, from there it gets real meta. And that's that's all I'm going to say about it because you really you got to discover it for yourself. It is so so good and this game has been in development for the last seven years and i want to say it's almost kind of bittersweet because it's like uh andrew scholdice he spent all this time developing this game and just tuning it up to what he wanted it to be and we're just tearing it apart like we're already a week in and i would say that we've got pretty much 90 percent of the puzzle solved i would hope but uh I don't know. It's I kind of feel bad for the developer almost because it's like you make this big adventure to be solved and it's like we're solving it. But are we solving it too quick? Yeah, that's it's it's a good question,
0: which and I also want to apologize because you put Tunic on my radar a while ago and I got as far as downloading it through Game Pass and just haven't (laughs) haven't actually sat down and played it. But it sounds like it's my loss from what you've described. How um, dare you. <laughs> but yeah, no, so so puzzles in games, like it is hard to kind of find the best, you know, level of challenge versus, you know, reward and ease of completion. Cause you, you want to make something that is challenging enough that it feels very fulfilling when you get to the end of it. Um, but you also don't want to shut people off from being able to actually participate
1: in the game and play the game. So Oh, it, that's definitely a really hard that's a hard line to stay in because i'm gonna say that fez kind of had that problem because i mean back when fez came out oh my god what i think we were like juniors or seniors in high school like it's been a while but when it came out uh it kind of had the same thing going on where you go through the game once and then it's kind of hinted at that there's more to the world than meets the eye and there is there's there's puzzles that lurk in the background for you to solve mostly in the form of button inputs but it got to a point where we found this one and it was just this big black monolith floating in the middle of the air and no one knew what to do. The only reason that people figured out the button inputs is because someone sat there and brute forced it just until button inputs worked. And to me, that's just kind of de- it kind of defeats the entire purpose. And I mean, honestly, I'm not going to say that's on Phil Fish for like just making a puzzle no one could solve. But I honestly think it was kind of a statement because what happens is once you get that solved, assuming you get all the other parts of the puzzle solved as well, you like find this weird little fountain with this giant heart looking thing floating in the middle of it. But someone went ahead and uh, brute forced that code as well. And when you do it, the heart breaks into a bunch of small pieces. And I think that is the developer saying, "Ah, you broke my heart, you went too far, you just couldn't be satisfied that you had the cool thing, you just had to keep looking.
0: That's deep. I, I, I like that. I, and I've not, I've not played Fez. I, I didn't dig too deep into it, but um, that's, that's cool. I, cause you know, my experience with I, the challenge of video games and specifically puzzles has evolved because I think growing up, you know, with, with earlier generations of games, the, some of the puzzles, you, they just wouldn't give you any information and you kind of had to just stumble into things. And I think that was kind of just the limitation of game design and and lack of creativity with game design at the time, now, yeah. and especially around that that era, I think of like when Fez came out, and so kind of like that in console generations was probably it was the p s three xbox three sixty kind of era mm-hmm. where games started to get more creative with their their puzzle designs. And well, actually, you know what that that's not even true because there's plenty of NES games and classic games that um really did do do a good job of doing puzzles but then they just kind of i think game developers got the idea that people just wanted action and they wanted the 3d so once they made the leap to 3d we saw less of an emphasis on that um case in point like you can kind of yep most of the secrets and the exploring in a game like ocarina of time if you wanted to just like eyes straight ahead, go through the story, swinging a sword, like you could do it, but you miss a lot of what's great about that game.
1: Mm -hmm. Or another good example is recently I just replayed The Wind Waker and I didn't even know that the trading quest with the plants extended past the second plant. I uncovered (laughs) like, oh, just a whole bunch of stuff. And that's, uh, it just blew me away. And it's just like, you, you don't really see that kind of commitment to a puzzle anymore but honestly i also i also think that uh puzzles have evolved with the technology like back in the days of the first Zelda, that was like you push a block and it opens a door and everyone loses their mind now with tunic for example it's like you have to decipher this in-game language and you have to go do all this other crazy stuff to even get a glimpse of what you're supposed to do
0: yeah it so I, I there's a fine line like we discussed, but it, it it's so fulfilling when you can figure that stuff out. And the other obstacle in modern era is that obviously if you want to find the solution, as long as one other person in the world has figured it out, like it's available online and usually immediately, like we've got
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know, gaming news uh outlets that do walkthroughs uh with their preview copies, and so they publish them on the day of release of games so it's like from day one you can pretty much have um the game spoiled for me not only just story but puzzles as well yeah which is bull
1: which is absolute bull i mean i hate that so much like already like the first day tunic came out i already had people i already had stuff popping up on twitter like oh multiple endings i'm like thank you thank you for ruining that for me mm-hmm. i would have i would have liked to discover that on my own but thank you game explained for just going ahead and spoiling the entire thing. (laughs) And there's, I, I don't mean to mention them by name, but there's a lot of YouTubers that do that on purpose and it's for clicks. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. It's for clicks. But why can't you just let, why can't you just let the puzzle have some room to breathe for a little bit? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's puzzle puzzles are interesting. and, And I think that we indie games in particular have really shown that you can build a game just around really good, solid puzzles and even just exploring like environmental exploration. So we've seen things like, um, I know I had a really good time uh, playing through uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Um, And that one is is less like pure puzzles, but you did have to kind of feel around and figure out the next place to go. Um, But environmental storytelling in that along the way um, helped make that amazing. So I, I think hopefully we've seen triple a games and larger budget games kind of pick up things from indie developers a lot over the years um and so hopefully that's a trend that continues because i think um you know some really solid challenging but rewarding puzzles and games are always going to be welcome in my
3: book
1: oh yeah absolutely i didn't even mention the manual for tunic yet one of the things about the game like when you first start it uh so you got your start and select button if you hit select It opens the it opens the manual for the game, and it's stylized like the old uh, booklets you would get with NES games. This one in particular is based on like Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link, and uh, part of the collectibles in the game is you find pages to this manual, and as you do, there's notes written in there by someone who played the game before you, and it's how you actually have to solve some of the puzzles it's it's really that's awesome
0: and meta and i love it
1: (laughs) yeah it's so great and also it plays a very very large part in the uh big puzzle at the end of the game the golden path and uh, i just i I i really hope that you take some time to discover it for yourself because it is it is honestly one of the the greatest puzzles i've ever seen in a game it really really forces you to use your
0: head. yeah absolutely it's definitely high on my to-do list um and i i I know that i'm actually going to get around to it because i actually made you abstain from spoilers for my sake because i know this is one that i'm going to play uh and
1: and i will definitely get around to it sooner rather than later so thanks for putting on my radar rich oh yeah i'll I'll say one thing that's that i thought was was kind of cool about the men the uh, manual at first and this is this was my big takeaway from the game. Is this is like picking up a game. It's like picking up a copy of a game that was released in Japan, popping it in and just trying to play through it without realizing what mm-hmm. you're reading. That is honestly the best comparison that I can make because if you look in if you look at pages of the manual, that um a lot of it is written in the in-game language and but they like insert English words in there randomly. So it'll be like, the holy cross. And you're just like, what does that mean? And you have to spend just the rest of the game pondering it, just trying to be like, what does it all mean? And when you do figure it out, it is just, there's no greater pleasure on this earth than just solving a really good puzzle, especially in this game, because they just made them so hard to do, really
0: so you know if it wasn't obvious to this point tunic highly recommended by richard uh if you especially if you are into puzzles if you like a little bit of a challenge that is definitely going to pay off it sounds like uh, it's going to be right up your alley
1: it's so good i mean and it's on game pass just go get game pass and you can play that and Wilds.
0: (laughs) yep that's a perfect combo for sure well that's awesome Uh, richard thank you for for bringing that to not only my attention but to uh, everyone listening as well, um, Tunic is definitely uh, one that's going to remain on my radar until until it's I've actually played it for sure. Um, but yeah, so let's let's kind of pivot a little bit into the rest of the episode here. Um, we're going to start off with the conversation about the state of Grand Theft Auto uh, with Fatter than Most. So we will jump into that conversation right after a quick break. All right, so we are going to be talking about Grand Theft Auto, and I needed someone to bring in uh, who had a little bit of experience with this series as well. Um, Obviously, just a global phenomenon uh, at this point. So it wasn't hard finding someone. I I had to go digging around in uh, a Facebook group. the gta trevor posting group on facebook which is filled with amazing memes um but fortunately i did stumble across uh a guest who's going to be able to jump in with us and, and bring some fresh perspective from across the pond i might add um because we have our first international guest which is fatter than most uh aka chris coming to us from uh the foxy stoats youtube channel so chris how's it going I'm all good, my friend. Thank you very much for having me, and welcome everyone. Well, it, it's great to have you here uh, for all the reasons I just mentioned there. It, it's awesome to have you know, someone from the UK joining us and in, in taking this podcast global, so to speak. Uh, and then, obviously, we have a shared interest in, in Grand Theft Auto and in, in the series uh, that has just taken over the world. I think we were messaging in preparation for this episode a little bit over the last couple of days. And I think you sh- you shared an article about uh, GTA 5 outselling Elden Ring. Is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that hit the headlines. Um, literally yesterday, I think that it might have been the day before, but yeah, that news broke in the last two days. But yeah, it's outsold Elden Ring now on uh, the, the um, newer consoles.
0: Yeah, it's it, in GTA and specifically GTA 5 uh, just seems to be this ever-present thing in in our lives at this point. And and we've seen all the memes, uh, because I think specifically the meme I'm thinking of talks about how many entries of the GTA series there were on the PlayStation 2 versus how many different uh, consoles that GTA 5 has been on at this point. Uh, (laughs) And so... (laughs) it's ridiculous, but also I love GTA five. So I am honestly, I'm the target audience and I'm the one that keeps buying it. Uh, so if, if you are part of the group that is outraged by this, I'm so sorry uh, for my role. Uh, I'm
4: really not. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've, <laughs> I've brought, off the top of my head, five different copies.
0: Yeah. And I th- And I feel like everyone has probably gotten, you know, at least two at this point and, and uh, you know, I don't contribute necessarily to the GTA online uh, economy. And so that's where I kind of have taken my step back. And that's my stance. That's my, uh, where I'm planning my flag and saying, hey, Rockstar, I'm not giving you any of this money until GTA six exists. Uh, (laughs) So I I, I think for our conversation, uh, Fader, I just want to jump into our kind of personal history with the gta series it seems like a pretty good place to start how does that sound that sounds good my friend awesome so so take it away what was um, what was the first gta game that you played okay so for me the first one was
4: eog GTA on the playstation one but we didn't even have the game at the time it was me my two brothers we my mum brought us a demo like, you know, one of the magazines that come with the demo discs. hmm. And in that was a demo disc with um, the demo for GTA one on it. And it was basically is it was, it was a 15 minute. You could do what you wanted in a game, but at a 15 minute timer. And we would just play that over and over and over and over again. I mean. One brother will have a go, it'll hand the controller to the other one, hand the controller to me. I will just be there all day passing this around, just going over and over again on, the, on these 15 minutes on the first GTA. It was amazing. We've never seen any game like it before.
0: Yeah, that's the like that classic PlayStation One era of demo discs that oh man, the nostalgia from that is amazing. Um but yeah, you came in with with the OG with the with the top-down GTA. Um that's, that's impressive because I, I'll tell you, I got started much later. My first uh, exposure to GTA was I watched my cousin play Vice City. I, I maybe got a, a couple of runs with the controller at that point, but not much because I was, I was pretty young at the time. And so uh, my mom and my aunt would have probably killed us both if they knew. <laughs> uh, and then my first actual game playing was San Andreas, um, because I i was then aware of GTA from watching my cousin play Vice City. And then when San Andreas came out, I was like, oh, I, I gotta get a hold of this. Um and so yeah, I was still pretty young playing that game. Um which I, I don't think my mom really knew uh the full extent of what you could do in that game. And if she did I absolutely would not have been playing it, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> it's to show old I am i brought gta 2 when it was the day it was released on pc that's how old i am <laughs> but annoying well, it's good it's good annoyingly it didn't work on my pc my pc wasn't good enough to handle it at the time
3: mm-hmm.
0: I was yeah everything worried. was a little bit more complicated back then wasn't it yeah so a- any standout games from the series obviously you've Played them all, it sounds like. So any ones that really stood out to you for whatever reason? All
4: but the second London expansion I've played. Uh, The ones that stand out to me, obviously GTA 3, because, you know, that's a game changer that changed the open world game. It's historic. People say as an age well, but I disagree. It's still it's still a fun game to play, and it is just historic. The best in the series for the story wise is San Andreas. I just oh, the whole CJ Redemption thing and whatnot. I I absolutely love, but the best one to play for me is GTA Five. But just you know, modern controls, modern handling and whatnot it's
0: is just the easiest to get hold of. But there's not one I hate. Yeah, I I so I think similar to you, I generally had pretty good experiences with the series as a whole. um San Andreas, I, I agree, has a, has a really great story. I. It was years. It wasn't until the PS4 remaster that I actually beat that game because I kept getting caught on the uh, the toy airplane mission on the PlayStation 2, and so I Did gave you not, up. Though, at on the that.
4: time, that was op- optional. It was optional. Yeah, you don't have to beat the story. You
0: don't have to do the um, zero missions. Oh my gosh, I did not know that and you just blew my mind. <laughs> the one the one I couldn't do and I can never do
4: on the PS2 was Flight School. I sucked at flying and I still do to this day.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: No matter if I'm playing Vice City, San Andreas, GTA 5, I can't fly. I'm useless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the flying was hard. I will say by GTA 5 I think they refined it enough and you touched on it modern controls made flying a lot easier, and so I feel like I, I'm pretty competent flying in GTA 5, but any of the earlier ones, it, it's tough. Um, the other big standout for me in my experience was uh GTA 4 because I was I was in high school at the time and I replayed that. That was the first story mode that I completed. Um, I replayed it multiple times. I played the expansions with um The Lost in the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony. Um, so GTA four is definitely one that stands out to me, but yeah, I mean, as much as I love GTA four, you, you can't really argue that it's, I, I, some people try to, but I don't think you can argue that it's better than five, five just is, uh, it's a much more refined game, uh, from the graphics to the controls to, um uh, even just the mechanics, the, the heist, uh, and the story are just amazing. So GTA five is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, but GTA 4 and San Andreas both have a special place in my heart.
4: I prefer the story of GTA 4. I absolutely love that.
0: Yeah, it does. With with Nico's story and kind of trying to find his way and the, um, I guess, the quote unquote American dream that he was sold by his cousin and seeing that it was a, you know, it was BS more or less. Uh, and then just kind of fighting through his past and trying to you know, make his own way. The only way he knows how uh, was definitely a good one. So I agree. I think I think the story in GTA 4 is is very solid.
4: GTA 4 with a GTA 5 engine, if you ask me, would be a chef's kiss. I mean, that would be brilliant.
0: And, you know, they're killing all this time, apparently, between the release of GTA 6, which we can expect in like 2030 at this point. I don't know why <laughs> they haven't just haven't just done that. Reskin everything and give us GTA 4 uh, in GTA 5's engine. I'd be on board. Yeah. So, let's I think that's a good transition point here. Let's let's talk a little bit about the current state of GTA and, and kind of where we're at. Um so the in the within the last year, there's been some ma- major developments. Well, not, I wouldn't say major developments. Some developments and it starts with the release of the the GTA Trilogy Remaster, which is the collection of GTA 3, uh Vice City and San Andreas. That was remastered and released on uh, current platforms. Have you had a chance to to dabble in those?
4: I haven't played them. I don't own them, but I have seen a lot of gameplay from all of them
0: yeah there and there was definitely a lot to see, uh, especially right around launch because uh, that was the big the big news was just how glitchy those games were yeah. um, to start and, and also there's issues with the actual way that they remastered them. Um, I was actually fine with it. I I kind of liked the smooth aesthetic, but like, so it, to me, it looked a lot smoother. It looked a lot more modern, but it wasn't so over the top that it was like a complete remake. Like it felt to me like a remaster and I was okay with that. Uh, And I also personally didn't run into a lot of the bugs at launch that that I was seeing. Maybe I wasn't playing as much as some people. And so it would have just been a matter of time. But that was my personal experience.
4: I, I agree with that, because the main channel I watched it, it was um Hugo One. He he played them all loads when they first came out and he rarely had any major glitches. So I was like, well, I said, what well, am moaning about? So I thought, saw a few things here and there on YouTube and whatnot. But I watched him play every single one of them for hours and hours and hours and didn't really hit any problems.
0: Yeah. And so that's the thing with and we see it with every big game release now is is we're always going to be flooded by all of these technical issues. And it's because, you know, when a game is selling millions of copies right at launch, they're going to find all of these bugs that, you know, some of it is things that, unfortunately, uh, developers were aware of, but because they they were stuck to a specific timeline, weren't able to get a patch done yet. Um, And so there's a lot of things that that get patched out with a day one patch. And then there's a lot of more things, it seems like, get patched out or attempted to be patched out within like the first week. But it's kind of like a it's a familiar story at this point. Uh, Wouldn't you agree?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people are looking, especially these days, they're looking for a stick to beat Rockstar with, in my opinion. Because they don't like the way how long it's been for gta 6 to take they don't like the way in their eyes online's going so i think a lot of people are just looking for something to beat rockstar with and i think you know yeah
0: absolutely a lot it, of it isn, un-
4: is unnecessary
0: mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to me because i feel like there's this dichotomy uh between the way that the, the fan bases of gta and the fan bases of red dead see rockstar um and it's probably just because, you know, Red Dead Redemption two came out and was very well received. It's a great game and and it's was released, you know, somewhat recently, at least compared to, you know, GTA six and GTA five, the gap that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, you know, we we do like the product that this company puts out. It's just that they're making us wait. That is you know, so we as a as a fan base, we kind of sound like spoiled children.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for me, Red dead 2 one of the greatest games ever made i mean the look of it the way it plays the greatest story rockstar's ever told was red dead 2 i absolutely love that game
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i think you'd have a hard time finding people to to argue against you on that um so which is why i'm i'm pretty content uh with waiting for gta 6 because i'm pretty confident that it's gonna between what I've seen with GTA five and what I've seen with red dead two, I'm very confident that GTA six is going to be a stellar game. So, you know, I know that it's not just because of development time that we're seeing this delay. It's also because rockstar is still milking GTA five for all it's worth. Yeah. And like, that's less than ideal, obviously, but at the same time, I I am confident that we're going to get a quality game in GTA six. Yes. And I'm
4: more than happy to wait for a great game than them rush an adequate one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because then we run into, you know, like the Call of Duty situations with, you know, yearly releases and, and know, they, they vary and in like quality.
4: That. Cyberpunk, or Cyberpunk, Exactly. That was a mess. Yeah. For
0: sure. Um, the other thing that that has been a recent development was GTA five for for next gen consoles releasing on uh, the PS5 and uh, is it Xbox Series X? I honestly I don't have an Xbox, so the name is is killing me. <laughs> it is
4: I think it's Series X or something. I don't know. I haven't got around to get one yet, but it's someone like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically GTA 5 released again on the new generation of consoles, which is to to all of Memer's delight. Um, I I've had a chance to to play a PS5 version um, a little bit and I, I got to say, my first my first reaction and I know Richard can attest to this was, yeah, GTA five is still a great game. Um, <laughs> it's even better when it's uh, it's running a lot smoother with better frame rate and consistency uh, on a PS five. So better hardware with a great game equals, you know, a, a slightly improved game. Um, yeah, yeah. Beyond that, I don't really have, you know, too much to to talk about with the, the next gen release of GTA five. Um, because as I admitted, I'm not a big GTA Online person. Uh, the the big thing though, is if you do have a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, you can play GTA Online for free. Yeah. So that that's kind of a, a development that came with this recent release. Um, if you are a GTA Online person, there's your, or if you at least are curious, like there there's your entry point. Um, just know that they're obviously going with a free-to-play model. So all those shark cards and, and, and whatnot are, are going to be shoved down your throat as soon as you log in. Yeah, but it, it's the thing. You don't have to buy shark cards. For me, on my Xbox One
4: profile and I'm on my PS4 profile, I'm up to level give or take 150 on both. Never in my life have I brought a shark card. I played the game. That might sound like a novelty to some people. That might sound stupid to some people. (laughs) But I just, you know, I sat there. I played the game. Yeah, there's something I needed. And even were they like three times payout on missions, three times payout on this, three times payout on that. All right, I'll play that for a couple of hours. You grind it a little bit. I grew up, again, I'm an old man. I grew up grinding. I play Final Fantasy VII. I run around in circles for like 10 hours, leveling it up like nights of the round so I can beat, bloody ruby ruby weapon if anyone has any idea what i'm talking about
0: (laughs) (laughs) do not get us started on final fantasy because i can tell you we will literally be here for four hours (laughs) so so let's let's transition here because i think this is the major point i wanted to get to with you here it is gta 6 and kind of the expectations that we have for it and our hopes that we have for it, so to speak. So you were mentioning before we started recording, you kind of outlined exactly what you're looking for in GTA six. Is that right?
4: I have an idea what I would like it to be. I'm not saying this what it has to be or else I'm not going to buy the game or it's going to be shit, anything like that. You
0: know, I just have an idea what I would like it to be. Perfect. Perfect. Well, well, why don't you share that? And then, I, you know, I'll kind of pepper in my own thoughts as well, uh, where, where fitting. Okay, I think it should be set in Los Venturas.
4: The Las Vegas-style place. And you right. start with, because I think it is about time that GTA had a female protagonist. Is that the right word? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I think it's about time GTA had a female protagonist. So what I would do is a sort of a Bonnie and Clyde scenario. You start with a young couple living in an outskirt little desert town on the outside of the city and they start, you know, they rob, they rob the little shops They rob and shop, whatever and whatnot. And over the story, they progress to getting bigger jobs, bigger jobs on until finally the main one and a crew hitting a
0: casino. And you go from there. I, to- I love this. I, I, lo- I love this idea um, because I, that was another thing that I, that I had uh, kind of on my wish list is, is I do think it's time for, for a female protagonist um i also like personally i i kind of liked the idea of of swapping between characters in gta5 i think they could do that again with gta6 and it would be fine i wouldn't do more than three characters but i think you could oh, do two or three and it would work out pretty well um las venturas is a great idea uh, i actually had totally forgotten about it until you mentioned that it's the las vegas <laughs> so i i know that i played there uh I know it's in San Andreas. Is it in any of the other games? Uh, no, just San Andreas, as far as I know. I'd be in like okay, GTA yeah. One or Two or something. Well, it's funny because I actually went to Vegas for the first time this this past October, oh, and yeah. my my experience with Vegas was pretty much from uh from Ocean's Eleven and also from playing San Andreas and seeing La- uh, Las Venturas. So it was actually surprisingly. Them. Accurate for a PlayStation Two representation of it. Of it. Uh, so I, I'm all on board because it also sounds like you you would still kind of stick with the the heist mechanic established uh, to great success in GTA Five. Is that right? Yeah,
4: yeah. And I think I think that it was you know you could choose in GTA Five you could choose your two ways of doing it. I think that could be fleshed out more. I think. You can choose your two ways and then you choose, all right, we're going to go in quietly so we can either do it this way or this way. I think there are so many different avenues you go around the way you do it. So like when you finally, when you finally get to this big job of taking on a casino, you can, you can go like down so many different paths.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think that's, I think that's, that's exactly what we need in this new release, especially because, you know, at the, I mean, you got to think at this point, it's not coming sooner than like 2024. Uh, So we're still at least a couple years away. And I think if we really take advantage of modern hardware at the the time of release, you could easily do something like this, um, where you provide a lot more player choice. There's a lot more variety. You mentioned replayability. I think that that's perfect, Um, because in GTA V, they did build in some of that, but... It was very limited, like you said, where we almost have simulated choice, right? Where we think yeah. that we're making these in depth choices, like even for sure in the story mode. I, I'm sure that on, online it's a little more branched out with like crew members and stuff. But in the story mode, you really have like, you know, two or three crew members you can choose from at each position and each yeah. role. And it really doesn't impact much beyond like you might make a little bit more on the heist and. Yeah. Um. So I think rolling out something that was a little bit more in depth along those lines is is a great idea for sure. Let's go with the F, uh, the bureau raid. So if you choose
4: fire or you choose going for the roof, you end up in the same corridor, shooting the same people in the exact same place. Mm-hmm. Really does it
0: sort of the uh, the the telltale criticism? If- Are you familiar with those games? No, I'm not. So so I will. That that's definitely a consistent criticism with Telltale games, and because they're built so much on making choices, but a lot of the things end up happening, either the exact same way or like very similarly with just like a character swapped out. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I would like our choices to have real impact on you know what we're seeing unfold. Yeah. What you got to remember though, you can do mopping. if You choose firefighter route. Who doesn't love to do some mopping
4: on a GTA game, right?
0: <laughs> yes, that's what I love, is doing some mundane chores uh, in my video game. <laughs> I brought GTA 5 to do yoga and mopping. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> GTA 4 was my bowling simulator.
1: So,
0: <laughs> so yeah, I I, I think, I, Chris, on, on that note, I I, I think we're on board. I, I think GTA six, if, if it came out according to your plan, I would be incredibly satisfied. I think general reception would would be very great as well. So uh, last question I have for you with GTA six is uh, over under 2025 for a release date.
4: I went November 2025 with everyone I've spoke to, but if I had to pick over and under 2020,
0: I would say over. Yeah, you, because you, actually, yeah, holiday 2025 sounds like a, a pretty good target date for them. Uh, but I could also see it getting pushed back for whatever reason. So I think that's a good bet. Yeah, for sure. So I reckon you're going to get your first like sort of trailer-y sort of like YouTube video sort of thing around about Thanksgiving 2024. It would make sense. That would absolutely make sense. So that that's our, our GTA conversation. Um, Thank you so much again. This is Fatter Than Most joining us from the Foxy Stoats YouTube channel. Do you want to tell uh, the audience a little bit about what you guys are doing on the YouTube channel? Well, um, we we're just free old men <laughs> do a bit of gaming,
4: a lot of drinking a bit of wrestling stuff and a lot of just mucking around. Really we involve people from uh, other friends from other channels like free drinks in Neo Stacey sort
0: of stuff. So yeah, we, we just basically are just drunken fools, really. <laughs> who doesn't love that who doesn't love watching a couple of drunken fools exactly uh so definitely <laughs> definitely check out uh, the foxy stoats youtube channel i will also include a, a link in the description uh for you to to check that out um definitely a lot of good stuff if you're a video game fan there's good video game content there's reviews um just random lighthearted videos uh like you say and um Definitely like one of my soft spots is uh, PlayStation 2 era wrestling games. So I know you have a series on uh, SmackDown versus Raw running on the channel. So, yeah, we did the GM uh, mode. Big fan of that. Going to be doing more <laughs> more of them like we did um, 2006. So we're going to be doing 2007 soon and hopefully moving on from there. That's awesome. I, I I just subscribed and I will be sticking around to check that out for sure. But thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for joining us here. I, I definitely appreciate it, and I think you unlocked the perfect GTA 6 uh, outline. If I'm going to be honest with you, I was blown away by that. So hopefully, it ends up at least somewhat close to to what you described. Um, but fatter than most, we will we'll catch you next time. Thank you again for being. Thank here you very GTA. much for having me, and hopefully down the line I can come back and you can tell me what you hope for um, GTA 6. Of course, of course. Uh, we will, we'll definitely have to do that soon. All right, so with Morbius right around the corner, you know that we had to get talking a little bit of Spider-Verse, a little bit of Marvel action with this episode. So I brought on a couple of friends from my time in Omaha. One has been on the show already, uh, and that is Infernal Griffin making his return. Isaac, welcome in. Thanks for having me, TJ. Uh, And so in addition to Isaac joining us again, we also have Benjamin X. Uh, making his debut on the show hey glad to be here bro we're glad to have you benjamin joining us uh so obviously uh morbius is the next big step in what has become this wild outrageous web of a universe uh around spider-man so we saw the confirmation that sony and disney at least acknowledge each other uh (laughs) in in recent entries um, obviously, most notably, No Way Home. So, it, I think that this movie is is has some added stakes um, because we don't know exactly where they're going with the Spider-Man storyline in the Marvel Studios Sony realm, and also Morbius is is kind of an obscure character that they decided to make a full blown movie about. So, what I decided would be a great talking point for us on this episode is creating top five lists of Spider-Man side characters that we would love to see in a live action movie. And the one caveat is they can't have already appeared in a live action movie. So these would be the most anticipated to make a debut appearance. Uh, do you guys want to talk about just like your, your experience with making this list? What was it like for you? Uh, let's start with with Isaac.
3: Uh, for me, the list wasn't terribly hard. I had to refresh my memory on a few. And just to see uh, from the comics perspective, and then from, uh, you know, the 1990s animated television show, and then you had, you know, the video games, there's so many different characters that have popped in to Spider-Man's universe that we really haven't seen much on at least on any sort of film other than these old series we haven't seen anything major in the mcu or even in uh sam Raimi's or in the amazing spider-man universe so i'm kind of excited to get down to business here there's a lot of good characters that were there to choose from
2: absolutely benjamin what was your experience uh i kind of just ran a crash course on uh obscure villains and stuff uh Went through a couple YouTube videos, went through a couple fandom sites, and um, it was it was a great experience because uh, I I mean, as much as I love Spider Man, I I wasn't I didn't grow up with the comics like that, so I didn't know like all this history of uh, of uh. Throwing in vi- villains that may or may not work when Marvel was like doing more experimenting in the '80s and '90s and stuff. So it was it it was a it, and I actually found one that I didn't even know existed, but I I really kind of clicked with it and I saw a lot of potential in it. So the uh not and now that villain has kind of made a staple in my mind. So it it, it it's it's an eye opener really. It's it's it is pretty cool this is this is gonna be
3: interesting It's exciting when you yeah, find I, those diamonds in the rough, isn't it? right, exactly.
0: It sounds like you guys had a pretty similar experience to to myself when I was doing this uh Benjamin, you mentioned um you know like discovering new characters or just learning new things about some that you knew already because uh I also you know I didn't grow up reading the comics, but I loved the character, and so Isaac mentioned like the 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 cartoons and stuff and they marvel really did go crazy in the 80s and 90s so there was a lot to pull from here uh the the best way that i could think to have this conversation because we're kind of consolidating three top five lists is uh I, this is something that i this format is it, something that i saw on the top 10 podcast uh which is uh matt knows and john roca talking about movies and so what they do is they have what's called a punt and so we will start individually we'll share our rankings one by one starting with number five so i'll go first i'll say my number five is so and so and if no one else has that character on their list i'm going to go into a, a little explanation of that choice a little background on that character and why i felt that they were deserving if that character is on someone else's list if they're at a higher ranking we're going to hold off on that discussion until we get to that higher ranking for them so that other person's just going to chime in and say hey that's actually my number three and then we'll wait till we get to that point to have the conversation if they are the same ranking then we'll just go ahead and have that conversation right then and there does that make sense guys makes complete sense (laughs) clear as mud So. Let's kick it off. Um, I, I'll take uh I'll take this first entry and I'm curious to see if, if this one landed on on either of your lists. Um, but I went with Mayday Parker, aka Spider Girl. Um Spider Girl land on on anyone's list. No. Wait. Nope. Nope. All right. Okay. So I'll 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 go into uh my little take on, on Mayday Parker. So um may may parker nicknamed mayday is the daughter of peter parker and mary jane so she has spider-man abilities um by way of genetics you know handed down from peter parker uh and so i didn't write down what universe she's technically from Uh, i don't think it's super important with the way that they've just been folding people into whatever universe is most convenient at this point but I did think with the the sake of kind of the lineage and the family aspect of sh- her being the daughter of peter parker she could be introduced as a if you haven't seen no way home i i'm sorry because i'm gonna spoil <laughs> a very obvious spoiler <laughs> she could be brought in as the daughter of toby Maguire's peter parker and kirsten Dunst's uh mary jane watson um so i think the groundwork is there for this character and you get a you know a female presence in a hero role, which uh, would be good for the Marvel universe. Um, you could have some unique aspects with her being younger. Um, you could also see like if they still stick with kind of the uh, Spider Verse thing that they've been going with. You could see her team up with uh, like a Miles Morales or with Tom Holland's Peter Parker, and then you get still kind of a younger perspective. But a fun team up with that one, um, so yeah, that's that, that's what I went with. Mayday Parker. That's
2: yeah, I I, I like the idea of uh, the young kind of team up uh, with the you know the, the kind of the polar opposite, especially since they're from different uh, universes and stuff. Uh, I I didn't even consider that. That's a good idea.
3: I like that. Multiverse potential is infinite and i love this i, I didn't even think uh, I'll, I'll just be forth, forthcoming now my list didn't focus on any sort of the hero aspect i focused more anti-hero and villain so hearing the hero takes especially of like a mayday parker well done well done thank you thank you uh so benjamin let's let's start you
2: off with number five uh i gotta be honest like i guess i kind of misheard the list i only ranked villains and stuff i didn't know we could do like any character so oh i gotcha i gotcha yeah so i actually have some interesting villains so um at the bottom of the list i'm gonna go with and they've made a cameo in in uh homecoming but uh i put scorpion as uh my number five and uh scorpion is actually higher up on my list really
3: yes scorpion is actually really high on my list like Um, really high glad i'm not alone
0: (laughs) so you so let's um go ahead this is our first instance here with a punt so benjamin is going to punt scorpion and then we will come back and allow uh you two because scorpion didn't end up on my list actually Mm. uh so when isaac shares scorpion uh we'll let the two of you jump into that conversation
3: I mean i'll just be honest uh, scorpion's my number one for at least for anticipation and things like that there's I, a lot of <laughs> there's a lot with scorpion that i love and there's a reason talk about spoilers <laughs>
0: all right yeah
2: we'll have, <laughs> you can clear some things up i've had about him uh oh yeah later. you bet you bet yeah so it's good uh, yeah moving on then moving
0: on to spoiler mix, spoilerson uh isaac who did you have at number
3: five uh number five i actually had the hobgoblin so Mm. i'm not sure if anybody else had them on their list so i'll wait for a second it was it was an honorable mention for me Mm. but
0: yeah it would have been the same for me because we have had we've had ned Leeds. Uh, obviously, it, through these three yes, Marvel Studios, but we've not had Hobgoblin.
3: Yes, and there's been different, obviously, iterations throughout the comics and through the TV shows of Hobgoblin, but the one, obviously, that most comes to mind for me was from the 90s cartoon. Uh, I'm not sure if it was still Ned Leeds there or not. I That's the one thing I do not recall off, off the top of my head, but that was the initial build for the Green Goblin, both in the comics and in the television show. So that's kind of how the Green Goblin eventually came into being. They fed one into the other. It was uh, the same type of suit, Uh, the glider and the bombs and everything was all the same. And that's what initially fed to the Green Goblin, which is why I'm kind of been at least a little bit disappointed in Marvel's choice not to use Hobgoblin at all, especially when they led so hardcore in Sam Raimi's trilogy with norman osborne's green goblin right out the gate
0: yeah i I think that's a good choice um i think they teased it a little bit uh with no way home where i think it was it toby toby was talking to ned and was explaining basically how his best friend tried to murder him Uh, (laughs) and so i think they were hinting at ned potentially making a villain turn and kind of taking on the hobgoblin persona because then he went and they did the mcu comic relief and had him like hug tom holland or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) i never made that connection like at all that ned uh from the the tom holland trilogy was ned Leeds, uh who turns into the hobgoblin that that kind of blew my mind that was something i kind of discovered after but i i uh basically like i It's really hard picturing that Ned that we, we all know and love the goofy guy turning into the hobgoblin. That's, that's, that's a little nuts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's some interesting things with, with versions of characters that we've seen that a little bit of a tease here. I'm going to touch on that with one of my other entries as well. Mm. Um, So hobgoblin coming in at number five for Isaac. Uh, I'm going to jump into my number four and it sounds like you both had had a villain focus so i'm not sure if this is gonna jump on on either of your lists as well but i went with uh ben riley who is the scarlet spider
3: i like that pick i really do that is that actually is a very good pick it seems like so far it seems like you're a bit spider themed so i'm intrigued
0: yeah yeah i did definitely go a little heavy on some some spider characters (laughs) uh which is good because i think if if we we're a little more balanced overall between the three of us, but yeah, I went Ben Riley, who, if you're not familiar with the character is a clone of Peter Parker. And so this is Benjamin was talking about the, uh, the craziness of the nineties. And so Ben Riley is a product of that era and confirmed. Uh, (laughs) Yes. The, the infamous clone saga uh, of Spider-Man in the nineties. Um, so he he was a clone of Peter Parker. Obviously, has his same abilities. He looks exactly the same. Um, he initially was was created to fight Peter. So he was a, a villain initially, and then kind of pivoted more towards a hero role. And what's interesting is that he was actually supposed to be taking over for Peter Parker uh, in the comics. Was the idea that that Marvel w- wanted to get rid of Peter? whether that was killing him off or having him just retire and have someone else take over the mantle. Uh, they were trying everything at this point because they were going bankrupt. So they, they introduced the Scarlet Spider, which was his hero persona that was different than just Spider-Man, which has the iconic costume, oh, which is just the red with like the blue hoodie with kind of the graffitied Spider logo across it, which I love. It's one of my favorites to wear in the Spider-Man uh, PS4 or PS5 game. That is a dope. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and um, his name, it, it, fun fact that I'll end off with here is is his name is obviously Uncle Ben. So Ben, and then Aunt May's maiden name, which is Riley. So that's where he gets his, his name from. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he did actually take over as Spider-Man uh, in the comics at that time. But really I would love to see him come in as the Scarlet Spider again, kind of in this multiversal, uh, into the Spider-Verse team up with like our live action heroes, I think would be great. Uh, so yeah.
3: Yeah. Ben, and- Ben Riley is definitely a really, really good choice. Uh, he did have a short run as Spider-Man in the comics. and I think the only reason they pivoted back to Peter is just because it really wasn't doing that well, but that was a really good character, a really good arc. I really love to see the clone saga honestly unfold in either Sony's universe chunk or in mcus i don't care that would be really cool to see
0: i could see it happening more so in sony's universe because it's a little more out there um but I, I think it it'd be cool to see um yeah yeah for sure so number four benjamin who did you have
2: at number four? Oh, let me check uh yes so for my number four i had mr negative
0: Ooh. i didn't even
2: think of him yeah since we'll like we've already well technically kingpin if we're considering uh for t- considering spider-man uh what was the animated well i can't remember the title or the animated one.
0: spider-man spider-man the animated
3: series or no, into Spider-Man. the spider-verse
2: yeah i, I oh I, oh i got you i wasn't sure if kingpin uh like fit um in this list of uh what hasn't been in a movie yet um but there there's a load of different crime bosses um in in spider-man's history because like spider-man isn't really like fighting giant entities or, or gods or whatever he's more of a you know like you know crime stopper you know he just he's it's, so he deals with a lot of crime bosses there there have been several you know like tombstone and kingpin and and mr negative is um which i had not really known until i played you know the ps4 spider-man and i thought. He he's a good character like um I, the main reason is because you know he's uh he's crime boss and there could be an interesting uh plot line with that and uh there's there's different people that he could hire as you know side villains and stuff, uh, but I really kind of chose him because if you if you put him like he gr- looked great in an animated movie, but if you put him in a live action with like the CGI we have today, I think you know his look could be very stri- visually striking in a in a in a movie.
0: Absolutely, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and,
3: and we definitely saw in the video game the the duopoly between. His normal personality when we were introduced to very early in the game versus his Mister Negative persona. So that would have been, that would be, a, ooh. yeah. No, uh, I think
2: audiences really like uh, characters who put on, you know, like a different mask and you know and show their true colors like on the other side of the screen. You know, mm-hmm. so that that would work very well for a movie, just like as an interesting plot point.
0: Yeah, absolutely i I'm, I'm totally on board with that no All so right. isaac mo- uh, moving on to your number four who you got
3: <laughs> number four i have herman schultz aka the shocker anybody else before i before
2: i dive in he he almost made it i i considered him but he's not on my list or my honorable mentions because so I-
0: my thing with with the shocker is he he wasn't like totally outright like i'm the shocker but like that character kind of existed in Homecoming, yeah.
3: Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't truly there, you know. Yeah, it's, it's you. When you think of the Shocker, everyone thinks of the padded suit, the freaking <laughs> shockwave gloves, and he's kind of like your ordinary thug with a little bit of a superpowered piece of equipment, right? So, but he's also one of Spider-Man's earliest villains, I believe. He made his first appearance within the first 10 issues of the amazing Spider-Man as one of the villains that one of the first villains Peter's ever faced after assuming the Spider-Man persona after with great power comes great responsibility. And it's, it's kind of, there's so many things you could do with him. Like you said, with the setup of using a crime boss, hiring other minor villains, uh, shocker was also an initially a member of the sinister six. There's so many different roles you can use him as. Whether it's a setup, whether it's a main villain, whether it's part of a villain team up. There's just so much you can do with the Shocker, and I really haven't seen either Disney or Sony utilize that to the full potential.
2: It, that's exactly how I put it. They haven't utilized uh, him at all, and yeah, he could. He, he like he's definitely fits that role of like you know um, the hired help who runs amok in in the city and causes a lot of distraction and takes up you know peter parker's time you know while while like a bigger storyline is kind of unfolding in the background yeah i i remember uh
0: the shocker in the the spider-man 2002 playstation 2 game
3: Mm
0: -hmm. uh where you're like fighting him in the subway Mm -hmm. uh so yeah, I, I think it could definitely work if they had like, maybe it's an alternate, it is an alternate universe version uh, where he is fully decked out, like full comics. Shocker. I, I could totally get behind
3: that for sure. Well, Not to mention all the funny quips that could be involved. Are you kidding me? Just oh the my traditional God. Spider-Man yeah. quips that were thrown yeah, the sh- <laughs> Yes, exactly. All of the jokes that Spider-Man is known for, and especially the Tom Holland Spider-Man I think has done it the best, which is the little quips, the jabs. Mm-hmm. It, it it would just oh, i'm sorry it would just did be so much like, fun did you
0: not like toby Maguire quipping at bone saw that's a nice shirt did your husband <laughs> make you
3: that <laughs> it, 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 toby's toby's was adorable it just he didn't do it enough in my opinion i think i agree it's it, it was toby <laughs> also was cast like he was about 26 27 when he initially got that role he was a little older and now i know tom holland's not exactly young either he just looks like he's a 12 year old but uh <laughs> but it's it, to me it always seemed like the younger spider-man's game was just like trying to figure out a way to get into these guys heads. so it was quip 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 uh i yeah. thought andrew garfield actually did a better job of that than toby mcguire did and i think tom holland sure. has surpassed them both i think they've just i think they've yeah, just, just gotten better with each iteration realizing wow we've just underutilized that but yeah quilt face pad like pads like it looks like he's got freaking michelin shoulder pads. Man. yeah michelin <laughs> man he looks like he's got shoulder pads you think you think he's not going to take freaking advantage of that it's like where are you from where <laughs> do you where, where'd you come from the prada store something like that you know um mm-hmm. yeah. back- let's go <laughs> <laughs> so uh all
0: right now we're we're up to number three um my number three and I, I have a feeling this is gonna show up on, on your list as well. And um, that's Black Cat. Same rank. You both have her?
2: Yep. I had her as number three. I had her as and number three then, also. Oh. oh my gosh,
0: the <laughs> universal number
2: three. Uh, I love this, well, this I love this good. so
0: much. This is good. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll chime in a little bit and then let you guys explain your, your rationale here too. Um, I think Black Cat is is the perfect next love interest for Tom Holland, and I think it yeah. it lines up great with where No Way Home leaves him in the fact that like he is going to still love Zendaya's MJ, uh, but she doesn't know who he is, so it's not they're not going to have that relationship, and it's going to open the door for him to form a relationship, much like we've seen with Black Cat in the comics and the games in. Uh, the animated series where it's kind of this, it's more of a, uh, it's its more of just like a sensual relationship that they have where it's not as deep as like his love interest with like Gwen and Mary Jane. Um, but I think that that's with the way that Tom Holland's character is now growing up, I think that he's primed for that type of relationship. And then for the moral complexity of her being, a you know, a cat burglar, essentially, Marvel's Catwoman um to Spider-Man's Batman which we just saw uh on screen. I think I think it's we're primed for that relationship and I think this is almost inevitable at this point. What do you guys think?
2: I I think exactly what you were just saying here, especially like after No Way Home and like how much, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man has been through. Like he's kind of like I think he's like in that mindset where he's he's focusing on being you know a hero and he doesn't really have much of a social life anymore because uh you know everybody has forgotten him so like you know i mean so he, he meets a love interest you know while he's doing his thing and it it is kind of that that older kind of more mature uh type of central Uh, relationship you were talking about and I think I think that definitely fits like for Tom Tom's age and and uh just like how much we've seen canonically but yeah she's I mean my reasoning for putting her there is because yeah she's been she's been everywhere but the movies at this point and yeah she was in Amazing Spider-Man too. but like, like I said well Marvel and Sony like to put in cameos and sometimes just not do anything with them i mean due to whatever circumstance um so i definitely think you know she she's proved that she can work a lot in like you know the games comics and the animated series and stuff so yeah she's she's a great choice she she needs her she needs her movie spotlight
3: you want to talk about an underutilized character within the spider-verse if you if black cat isn't somewhere within the top three of that i i I don't know what to say you guys have already hit on it like it's it already sets up with the mcu universe i thought this set up great for 4 spider-man 2 when toby mcguire's Mm -hmm. peter parker and kirsten Dunst's mj were kind of having their little rocky chunk of the early portion of the relationship but what but what happened in there not a whole lot of the whole lot of nothing basically Well, i, I would say but isaac to that point
0: it was i think they should have done felicia hardy black cat in place of of gwen stacy in spider-man 3 it would yes. have made much more sense
3: yes that's what i mean like the setup was there in two where you could have at least dropped a hint or at least i thought they did i don't know maybe this is just my brain going back to when i was 12 years old thinking, ooh, they're setting a black cat here. And then they used Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3 instead of Felicia Hardy. But Felicia Hardy in and of herself is a heck of a character, has a heck of a backstory. There's so many different ways you can actually use the black cat backstory because there's bits and pieces in the comics where it's related to Captain America's super soldier serum as well. So you mm. could tie in that chunk as well as all of what we know and love about black cat's charm she's got that super soldier enhanced flexibility a little bit extra strength i mean how else do you think those cat claws were climbing up a wall like that you can't exactly just kind of be you know flimsy and and
0: one last thing on black cat before i think we can move on to number two uh I, i think that's a good point i didn't know that about the captain america serum thing but they i know not everyone is dove super deep into the, the, uh, Disney plus series, but, uh, on uh, Falcon and the winter soldier, like they made the captain America serum, like something that was accessible. So like they could totally do something along those lines, uh, in the MCU.
3: They okay. definitely, they definitely could. And it's it, like we've said now, now that we've noticed it in between no way home, Falcon and the winter soldier. It's primed for a comic book like reveal, and just to get a little bit into the story of the comics of that, it was uh, Felicia Hardy's father was the original cat burglar. He, he was a big time art thief. That's how Felicia's family ended up with a lot of money. But what happens? Kingpin finds out, blackmails her father. Father's too old to do the job. Trains Felicia to do it. Felicia does it, gets captured by kingpins, goons, or maybe it was the government. I forget which. There, there's been a couple iterations, but then, yeah, that happens with the super soldier serum, and boom, she's a better cat burglar, and she can actually go back and forth between a black cat persona because Felicia's heart, Felicia Hardy's hair is not naturally white. It's not naturally white. It's I believe it's blonde, I believe, but the transformation sequence is what made it white she could shift between her black cat form and her
0: normal form. Yeah, I think I because I'm nerding out, I am going to jump in with just one more thing and then we'll transition. Nerd out harder. Uh, <laughs> because the MCU loves to do this thing where they kind of tweak uh relationships and storylines origins from the comics just a little bit in ways that make sense for the most part. I think if we were able to see some sort of connection between felicia hardy as this cat burglar with um the prowler which we saw aaron davis played by donald glover in uh spider-man homecoming like if he became the prowler and like maybe what if they were partners uh and that's part of the origin story of felicia hardy like it would make a lot of sense
3: Ooh, you're giving me nerd
0: goosebumps <laughs> and i and i would love to see more donald glover uh in the spider-man movies
2: mm-hmm. that'd be that'd be awesome
0: so uh number two on my list is one i'm actually super excited about and that is silk all right not, not showing up
2: on anyone else's no but uh, okay i do remember the name mm-hmm. it,
3: yep tj's is very spider heavy
0: it is it is uh it's the last one i promise
3: allegedly um, <laughs> well, so for it?
0: for anyone who doesn't know silk is a uh, cindy moon and her origin story she's essentially another spider woman uh but her origin story is that she is actually a classmate of peter parker's um and so she was bitten by i think it was the same spider um the same day that peter parker was bitten and got his powers so what happened is there was some multiversal shenanigans uh she's a more recent comic book character so they were able to kind of retcon some of that storyline for her origin um and so i think she like kind of sheltered and hid away for years and so the idea is that she was always around but she wasn't <laughs> uh, which is the best way to retcon things and So I I think it's great representation. Not only is she a female character, but also uh, she's a Korean American in the comics. So you could also get some some representation there for the Asian community. Um, She also has some awesome relationships in the comics as well that they could build off of. Um, So not only was she classmates with Peter Parker, um, but she is also like frenemies with Black Cat. So that would tie in perfectly. And also uh, dated Johnny Storm, and so we know that the Fantastic Four is coming in soon. You could have that as a nice little nod to the comics as well. Have the Human Torch and Silk huh. uh, maybe hit it off at some point. So I think Silk has a lot of potential, and I'd love to see it.
2: She sounds really cool, honestly. Yeah, I think I've I think I've glossed over her a couple a couple times. I de- the name definitely seems familiar. Um, that's a great yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, it's
0: definitely and it's another one. oh i'm a sucker for the costumes and <laughs> her costume is also awesome
3: right i should have i should have figured you for a costume sucker at this point but uh yeah Silk's character it is more recent it's, i think it's been primarily within the last decade or so that she's really gotten exposure and that could really really work it could work well it could obviously multiverse shenanigans you never know what's gonna happen Not bad Not really
0: Benjamin you're number two
3: all right, so here's the character I came
2: across uh that I had no idea was even a thing, but I personally saw a lot of potential in in this in this villain, and that is spot so spot is i forgot i i don't know what his actual name is. Spot is this real obscure spider man villain um that basically uh back in the day um he's got a white costume and a bunch of black spots on him and his power is all those spots on his costume are actual uh portals that he can pull off of him and use to to transport himself or other things and stuff and uh the i really think like it, it it's a cool i think it's really like a cool like uh fighting style potential and and like that would be a like a really sick fight like between like tom holland and uh and spot because like just think about it, he's just like he's just appearing out of nowhere you know holes here and there it's just you know keeping peter parker's spider sense like on edge like always firing off and stuff and um I think back in the day, he didn't really take off that much because he had a, he didn't really have a personality. But they could fix that in a movie like they could they could really like write him out to be a really good character. And they could they could really like, you know, with modern, uh, with modern like costume design in films, like they could really like make him look sick, and stuff like he could be he could be a real threat. But yeah, I had no idea about this character, but I I just thought you know there's there's a lot of interesting potential, uh, f- uh like fight wise, and also like I like the costume. It was it was actually not that bad, and um, and you know they could they could give they could write him a personality. You can always fix that with iterations and stuff. So that that's my uh, number two is spot. That
0: is a deep cut and I'm here for it. I uh, I was vaguely familiar with Spot, I, but I definitely wouldn't have thought of him as a, as a Spider-Man villain. So like, I obviously didn't know that much about him. So uh, yeah, no, I think that'd be cool. I would definitely, just hearing your description, I get some some polka dot man vibes
3: from yeah. uh, the Suicide Squad.
2: It's pretty much what he looks like. <laughs> yep,
3: <laughs> of course, I decided to go diving on the internet just to see like, okay, cause like I, I had a faint idea of who it was and you could do a lot. You could actually set it up with just his base character. Like he might not even have to make an appearance in a movie for maybe a, like a film or two. It could be a little bit later. But he apparently he was a scientist initially working for Kingpin. Yeah. And then and then an accident happens, as it seems to with all supervillains. And uh, yeah, the 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 spots on his suit end up being uh, more or less interdimensional transport devices that fists and whatever he can hide in it, it's it's a it, he's got an amazing story and that could easily be a very very interesting build villain to like a big bad in a trilogy that would work really well totally totally i also think uh just kind of
0: looking looking at this ben mentioned it but there's there's a lot of really cool things that they could do with like a fight sequence or or, or something like that and so uh yeah, absolutely. If a quick Google image search of Spot uh
2: is awesome. <laughs> I recommend it. There's a really cool uh drawing in one of the comic arcs where he has like his hands just going through all throughout his body like poking out on different ends. It's kind of like like when you put your your hands on your head like you're going insane, but it's just his hands were protruding out of all the holes of his body. It it, it was a interesting piece of art i thought so yeah i thought he was i thought he was very visually interesting and has a lot of potential
3: Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. so isaac your number two okay my number two and i'm not as i'm not sure if there have been any major cameos for this one and i'm going to be a little disappointed if this is not on either of your lists but uh because it hasn't really been in a major film yet that i can recall there might have been a cameo here or there and there's obviously hints at a solo film upcoming for this character Craven the Hunter. Yes. That was uh, that was actually my number 1. Okay, so, then, I'll, then I then i will you guys lined up well. I will happily punt this one for the next round because I, there are reasons i like Craven and Scorpion so much. That's why they're my number 1 too.
0: Yeah, so uh, just a little bit before we get into the full conversation there but yeah uh craven craven is confirmed for a solo movie they actually i believe they cast uh aaron taylor johnson who was quicksilver in uh age of ultron as craven so uh definitely definitely uh a lot of steam behind that choice
3: for Mm -hmm, sure. mm -hmm. there there was that behind it and there's obviously some other really interesting things they could do so
2: he fits. I would have pictured somebody a little more burly, but he is older than he was when he was Quicksilver, and I'm sure he'd look pretty fire with Craven's beard mustache combo. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Uh, so so we kind of, well, we have revealed both of your number ones. My, mm-hmm. my number one is the only one left. Uh, so i i was surprised that this didn't come up on on either of your lists but again this is kind of an anti-hero slash hero and you both focus more on villains so i went with agent venom uh so which this is a version of venom in which the venom symbiote is uh bonded to flash thompson
3: um and this so is so for me th- this actually was an honorable mention. I thought really hard on this just because of the storyline behind it alone.
0: Yes, yes. So I I I really like this version of the Venom character because um they've done a lot with him recently and like even going putting him as part of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, so like you have the potential to do in some some cosmic storytelling in that realm with him, but I uh I already made a callback to the raimi spider-verse uh, already but i would do this again because i would cast uh joe manganiello as flash thompson i would take his flash thompson and make him agent venom because the storyline of flash thompson is that uh or of agent venom is that flash thompson who was the high school bully goes on to uh, enlist in the military he ends up being a part of like um secret like strike force um, and then comes back and he, he's a war hero um, but I believe if I'm not mistaken, and Isaac, it sounds like you maybe have some better grasp of the comics than I do, but he he's injured. Um, IEB takes his legs. Yes. Yes. So, so he's obviously injured pretty bad. And so what the solution is uh, to save his life is he bonds with the venom symbiote and becomes agent venom. So, um, he's been portrayed as, as, as an anti-hero. Um, he is largely heroic, um, I think standard Eddie Brock Venom is more of an anti-hero than Agent Venom is. Agent Venom is more heroic. But it, it's cool because he isn't the standard Venom that you know, because he also still uses like military garb and things like that. So in a lot of ways, he he kind of has some some spawn vibes as well, because he'll like use guns and stuff, um, but still obviously have the symbiote powers. So I, I would love to see that. And, and having seen uh, Joe Manganiello as uh, Deathstroke in the uh, Justice League post-credit scene. I think he could definitely pull off a badass Agent Venom for sure.
3: I yeah. just just for the the actor pick alone and the universe pick, it, it it would be a perfect little tie-in if they wanted to go more multiverse shenanigans. because of exactly the storyline and because the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man was two thousand. That's when they were graduating high school. And then what happened? 9-11, unless in the military. It it would work so well within that Tobey Maguire chunk of the Spider-Man universe. And I'm a little sad. Like, I thought maybe they could have done that with if Raimi would have ever done a Spider-Man 4 initially. That would have been one heck of a storyline because they did introduce Venom, but it really wasn't that great of a Venom. But, you know. Yeah. (laughs) We don't talk about (laughs) Sam Raimi venom <laughs> yeah yeah the- yeah we
0: don't there's two things we don't talk about and it's bruno
3: and uh topher grace venom <laughs> i have a sound alert for that but i don't want to use our soundboard here
1: <laughs>
0: all right so um we already revealed your two number ones but it sounds like let, let's jump into the the craven conversation which was uh benjamin's number one
2: yeah no i i definitely picked craven because he's i mean he's first of all he's a visually striking character like you you know he wears this giant lion's pelt i think for his vest um it's cut down the middle his facial hair is on point and i just really like the idea of the the ultimate like big game hunter and spider-man being the ultimate game i think that's a that's a great storyline like having him like show like especially like have tom holland go against like some older guy who who is like absolutely ripped and and trained and just ready for a challenge and uh i think that'd be an interesting like young man versus you know middle uh not middle-aged but like older experienced man kind of uh kind of rivalry and like yeah he he has like so much he has so much personality too and and potential that's why i just think he's like so uh, potentially you know uh such a great choice i mean and and you know he's been in a couple of games uh i think he was like in the the amazing spider-man 2 game i did not play that one and he was in the animated series and yeah he he's uh he's a great choice i i really think he's, he's just one of the m- more interesting villains that you kind of you kind of want to root for in, in a sense and yeah so that's my take on it
3: okay Isaac, you had
0: you had craven as your number two
3: yeah uh between charisma strategist and hunter Just those three characteristics alone would make him one heck of an interesting villain, let alone just having an interesting film, which they're probably going to, I'm guessing with the film they're going to be doing for him, which is going to be the next one in the Sony universe after Morbius, I'm guessing they're going to dive into the origin story, which is uh, obviously he was, I believe his origin is either Russian or Eastern European. Uh, I forget completely. I know it's, I know it's Slavic Uh, that I know for sure
2: and yeah
3: yeah, and he was just a big game hunter so he'd hunted all the biggest game around the world and then he gets injured on a hunt in africa uh a a shaman nurses him back to health and he gains powers from it it's not obviously anything to the degree of like spider powers or super strength or anything like that but it's you know more agility better endurance it's it's a little bit above It's not quite superhuman, but it is above the normal human. There's a healing factor involved and whatever. But that would be such an interesting story and just an interesting dynamic because they didn't start as enemies at first. They weren't enemies at first. And that very well could have been Craven's game of just getting to know your prey and Mm -hmm. just setting up. The confrontation which is which is what i believe it was and it is just the story arcs between spider-man and craven the hunter are some of the best that were ever drawn and ever written well besides my scorpion take but that's (laughs) i'm saving that for a minute
0: yeah so i i think um like i said i think that they have confirmed a craven movie is in the works in development right now what i would love to see is it take place in the amazing spider-man universe and uh andrew garfield as the spider-man in that one
3: ooh, yeah that, that could work i think an early 20s to mid 20s spider-man against a craven that's say late 30s early 40s that would be yeah. really interesting that would actually be Ooh, i like it i like it <laughs>
0: uh so something else you like it is scorpion obviously mm-hmm. isaac so that was your number one mm-hmm. uh benjamin that was was no, that your five. number four no it was five. Oh, that was your five mm-hmm. all right let's let's let you go first and then we'll let isaac gush a little bit
2: well yeah yeah that that's that's smart because uh the reason why he ranks so low as number five is because i'm not really familiar with his personality like at all so i i, I couldn't really i couldn't really vouch for him or put him higher, but I, I visually like the design of the character and, you know, green's my favorite color. Uh, but like the idea of, you know, the scorpion as you know, the bigger, the bigger, uh, rival to the spider, you know, just in that sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been in like most of the games, even from like the, the early, I think it was 1999, uh, the, N sixty four PlayStation Dreamcast game. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's I think that's where I first uh uh found him. And then he was in that two thousand was it two thousand two or two thousand three, probably two thousand three, the 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 game on the PlayStation and GameCube. Yeah, the Spider Man the movie, the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in that too. I remember seeing that and I recognized him. And I know he was in like amazing Spider Man game uh i did play through that one a little bit and that one kind of made sense because they had like these uh human hybrid uh human animal hybrid villains and i thought that was a a good play on the on you know changing it up instead of just having them all wear suits like themed around animals they were actually like genetic experiments from oscorp and that was that was interesting uh, that was one of the things that game actually had going for it yeah uh, yeah that's that's cool but yeah i like the design i i I like you know he's bigger he's got a he's got the tail and stuff that it, it, it'd be very interesting like fight style
0: absolutely uh so isaac obviously you're number one So let's hear what what puts Scorpion there for you.
3: Okay, so Benjamin already touched on it with the obvious spider versus Scorpion arachnid battle type of thing. Uh, That was part of it. But uh, if you want to get into the backstory of the original Scorpion, Matt Gargan, Matt Gargan was a nobody. He was kind of a sleazeball, slimy kind of guy originally hired by J. Jonah Jameson to try and figure out who is Spider-Man. So that's kind of what happened there, and then eventually couldn't really figure it out, but like Peter could figure out, is this dude tailing me? What in the world's going on? Uh, obviously became more obvious when, when he was Spider-Man, he was being tailed, uh, and then went through an experiment. I don't, I believe it was through Oscorp. Gave him enhanced strength, it actually made him taller, and they gave him a suit, the scorpion suit. Uh, Scorpion in and of himself is one of the, uh, again, another early villain, just like Shocker, but also has that early connection, not only to Peter, but to the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson, Oscorp. He is just not exactly a good team player for a lot of these elements of the Spider-Verse. So it would just be an interesting point. to. It would be a good way to introduce an actual live action jjj into the mcu it would be a good way to introduce Oscorp and their machinations and their shenanigans when it comes to experiments on humans would be an interesting way other than obviously the spiders uh there's so much you could do with that storyline and just the sinister sick setup and all of that yeah there's there's a lot you can do with it because obviously he was part of the sinister six of the ps4 spider-man video game uh he's been a founding member of the sinister six in the comics it's just there's a lot you can do with matt gargan scorpion and even if you don't want to go that route there's been an iteration of scorpions in just about every iteration of the spider-verse that that just tells you how much of a staple that scorpion is
0: yeah and they they did They did introduce Matt Gargan in Spider-Man Homecoming, and they kind of teased it. And he was much more menacing than even Vulture was. Um, And they haven't paid off on that yet. But there is a lot of potential uh, for all those reasons that you guys both listed there. I think another interesting point to be made is they might might actually have Matt Gargan take on a different mantle before Scorpion. uh, And that could be Venom because he
3: has been venom in the comics more recently exactly, that actually yeah. would be and he's a more vicious venom a much yep, more yep. vicious venom he feeds into venom's rage complex a lot more than eddie does yeah and they so could I, and with that then you could transform eddie into anti-venom of course of course yeah so it,
0: we because we saw the symbiote obviously be left behind from uh tom hardy's venom at the end of no way home that was a post credit scene um so that they're gonna do something with venom in the mcu uh i don't know that they'll necessarily want to start with eddie brock um and i don't think they can use the mcu's flash thompson as venom because he's just too much of of a nerd <laughs> so mm. i think matt gargan would be a good starting point of the characters we've seen existing within the mcu version of the of spider-man uh so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that one.
3: And, and to go along with that, another one of those mutilation accidents happened to Mac, and that's why he became Venom. And I believe it was for, no, it's not the Thunderbolts. It's, uh oh, God, what's Norman Osborn's group? Oh, the, the Dark
0: Avengers. Yes.
3: I didn't think it was the Dark Avengers. Which I th- thought that was too much on the head, but apparently that's what, that is what it is
0: no and they've actually been building towards the dark avengers uh as a, a sub storyline in the the tv shows and in black widow so mm-hmm. they've they've hinted on that with like these evil versions of like captain america in us agent we have um Yelena Belova black...
3: from yep. black
0: widow exactly so they could totally bring in Matt Gargan as Venom um and join that team as well it would make a lot of sense i like that so we we had a couple of uh, let, let's kind of just put out the honorable mentions here because uh, we want to make sure people know that we did, we did our homework. We, we considered everyone. Um, I I mentioned one of my honorable mentions was Hobgoblin um, because he's been kind of teased a little bit, very subtly. So I didn't want to consider him for that. The other honorable mention I had was um, Miles Morales because while it wasn't live action he was the star of the spider verse and obviously they are already making have this the sequel to that so like he is being represented on screen just not in live action and they did hint at him as well in, in homecoming with uh Aaron Davis talking about his nephew so like that seems inevitable and so that's why i didn't really consider him for for my list what about you guys and any other honorable mentions you haven't mentioned yet
2: i i also had hob goblin as an honorable mention but it, you know with the uh... Willem Dafoe's reprise as a uh, Green Goblin and stuff. I, you know, I wasn't sure if we were all goblined out or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, just his, his character is a little more interesting to me because he, he's basically, he's, it's the same experiment and serum that Norman Osborn did, but he basically curated it to get rid of the insanity side effects. So, he, uh, I mean, that could... Potentially make him a lot more dangerous, in a sense. Or not. absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I- Isaac, big. did you have any?
3: Uh, well, I did have Agent Venom, was definitely one of those for the anti-hero side. Then I had two villains that we've kind of seen cameos of already, but we haven't seen them fully developed on screen. So Alexei Sitzovich, aka the Rhino, which we saw at uh, the beginning and the end of The Amazing Spider-Man Two where he was the mobster and then in that big-ass mechanical rhino suit, but we never really got the character development in between. I feel like that's kind of what's missing there, and it would be wonderful to actually see that play out on screen. And then one that we had a little bit of a discussion over, uh, Kingpin, who we've seen in the side series of Hawkeye, at the very least, make an appearance, and obviously he made an appearance in the Netflix Marvel shows, but he hasn't made an appearance as a big bad in the films themselves and honestly i can't wait for when vincent d'norfio retakes that mantle on the big screen and is just i'm the kingpin what you gonna do about it right yeah i
0: I want nothing more than to see uh spider-man and daredevil team up to take him
3: down oh there is there is nothing more that would give me more nerd pleasure than that and that sounds wrong but it's 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 all right
0: no no, no there's nothing wrong about nerd pleasure in fact <laughs> i think we should end on nerd pleasure <laughs> wait, wait, I have one
2: more honorable mention i totally skipped over i only named hobgoblin um you guys are gonna get a kick out of this but have you guys ever heard of a villain called
3: kangaroo yes no <laughs> he is such an oddball but i i like it
2: that's why i threw him in there kind of as a oh boy because uh he's just he's got uh, in the comics he kind of looks like he-man um a little bit with the, with the hair and he's he's got like i i think uh, i don't know i i kind of like glanced over his backstory but i think he, he trained in australia he took up boxing and he trained with kangaroos um and if i check what it, he can just hop <laughs> no, he's got. In- yeah, he can actually like hop like larger like lo- than the average human uh, because of his training. And I think um, if I look at super, if I look at a uh, Wikipedia, the Frank Oliver version of kangaroo had his natural abilities enhanced by Jonas Harrow's implants connected to his nervous system, giving him superhuman strength in his legs and the ability to leap great heights and distances. And he was pro- he was trained as a professional boxer. I it, it's, <laughs> that it's, would just be fun. Yeah, it, it, In- it's out there. I know maybe he could be a side villain, like as a joke, like for a scene. But I thought it was just so ridiculous. That would work.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I just thought it was so ridiculous. I had to like put him as an honorable mention because that's mm-hmm. just so ri- Spider Man versus Kangaroo. Yep.
0: Yeah. I. I. I... I stand corrected
3: because I think kangaroo is the way to end this conversation. <laughs> as, as much as I want to talk about like my entire list of honorable mentions, I, I, I stuck to my major too. There was a couple more that I'd love to see, but I'm not sure uh, if we'll, it, I'm hoping we get to see them. It, it obviously fills into more of the criminal element of Spider-Man, but I think we, we, we got to end on kangaroo. Kangaroo is just fun.
0: Of course. Well, I, I don't think we're, I, I, I don't think we're going to see the Spider-Man machine slow down at any point soon at this rate. So Good God, I hope uh, not. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Morbius is dropping, uh, I mean, the day this episode releases. So I, I'm sure all three of us will be checking it out. Um, definitely going to do a review episode. Um, you both are, are welcome to hop on with me for that one. I'd love to have you if you're available. Um, but yeah, guys, I Let's get out of here. Any anything you want to plug before we leave? Uh, Benjamin, what about you?
2: Uh, I have a SoundCloud, but there's nothing really much uploaded to it. But stuff will be coming later in the year. Um, So I'll I'll throw you a link to that. Um, So so look, look forward to I got some weird stuff. I have one radio show uh, posted when I was in college and I have a a weird um, movie soundscape kind of uh sci-fi clip that i posted uh but more stuff coming in in the future so that's that's all i have to plug
0: Cool, yeah, definitely. Uh, check that out and stay tuned for for what's to come. Um, and then Isaac, obviously, uh, as Infernal Griffin, uh, still rocking on Twitch and YouTube. And, and where else can people find you?
3: Uh, yep, definitely at uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Infernal Griffin for all my gameplay and what and what have you. Uh, obviously, any good moments I will be getting uh, pulled out and put over onto YouTube. I don't have my own specific link yet, but if we get to that hundred subscriber threshold, we uh, we can get there. Uh, but you can also find me, I've got a Facebook page where I post, uh, when I go live with the, uh, with the streams. And when I post my YouTube videos, as well as on Twitter, uh, everything's the same handle across the way. So I would appreciate anything and everything, uh, y'all see fit and, uh, TJ, I appreciate you guys having me on once again, it's, it's been fun and I would be happy to join for the review
0: yeah absolutely you you guys are both uh on on the recurring guest list in my book uh it was a great conversation happy to have you both here and i really appreciate you being here
2: yeah thanks for inviting me on tj this is this has been awesome uh yeah i I could definitely do this again
0: good to hear all right well we uh are are gonna take a break and we're probably gonna go uh watch morbius in the meantime um but uh we'll we'll catch you next time So yes uh that was a great conversation with uh benjamin and isaac um about spider-man i couldn't have asked for more i mean even just the way that we ended it we, we thought nerd pleasure was the ending note we wanted but uh it was only to be bested by kangaroo uh a super deep cut of a spider-man character that if he did show up in a movie for more than like a five minute throwaway scene uh i would probably lose my mind and i don't know if it would be a good or a bad way uh but super thankful to those guys for um giving us the time to have that conversation i'm looking forward to morbius and uh you know i've seen some not great things as of recording but um you know hopefully going in there with with lower expectations it'll live up to some low expectations or surpass it um i'm sure there'll be nice things to pull from it even if it's not great but i will be covering uh that movie in a review episode following uh this episode so monday so keep an eye on on the uh podcast feed for that episode if you're interested in morbius we'll definitely be uh getting into that one and my thoughts and feelings on that and where it's leaving the spider-verse uh where it's set up for the future But that's going to be the the end of episode 204 of Waiting in the Sky with TJ Starman. Um, This was another good one. I I had a lot of fun talking about Grand Theft Auto, talking about Spider-Man, talking about Tunic and uh, video game puzzles with Richard off off the bat there. Um, I also want to take a chance to remind you, if you have not rated or reviewed the podcast yet on whatever platform you are listening on, uh, please do so also subscribe. Uh, Any of these things are going to help us grow. It's going to help connect with new people, new guests, to have some some really great conversations. And so if you're able to do that, I would super appreciate it. Um, And definitely follow us on social media as well. Um, All of the show's social media links are going to be in the description as well as um, uh, any plugs that the guests gave. Um, We've got a fatter than most, the YouTube channel. Uh, We also have uh, Benjamin SoundCloud and we have um, Isaac's uh, Twitch and uh, really his whole link tree for his offerings there. So definitely check out the description as well. Next on the agenda, I already mentioned, is the Morbius review on Monday. And then we're, we're kind of playing it by ear from there. Um, but again, thank you so much to uh, my guest and to Richard for uh, helping out with this episode. As always, really appreciate it. Uh, that's going to be it. Have a great one.